Alrighty, guys, welcome back to the Runner's High podcast. This is episode number three of season number dose, number two, right? So we're back again this week, and Grace is back with us. Grace, how you doing? Hey, it's me. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. So we I'm are alive. back. You're live. You are here. Um, so yeah. So we're super psyched to be coming back again. Um, yeah, we have a, a special guest on for uh, for this show uh, that we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but Grace, um, before we jump into that, I uh, mm. had had a little something for you with it being your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so wanted to wish you a little bit of a happy birthday um Thanks. you're very welcome <laughs> hope you had a great day uh yesterday um so yeah you feel any older thanks <laughs> uh i feel very well rested Good. <laughs> Not older, just rested. How about wiser? Uh, I'm going to say well rested. <laughs> <laughs> That's like literally the only word that comes to mind. Yeah. Good, good, good. So, all right. So why don't we, uh, why don't we just jump right in um, yeah, with the interview with Dan. So, um, you know, Dan's been a, a longtime friend of the store. Um, his story is a very inspirational one. So he was a former collegiate athlete and um, used to play baseball. I'd blow at his arm, um, had this uh, large uh, weight gain um, where he got up to uh, almost 350 pounds. And um, he's now an ultra runner. So this transformation is, has taken him, you know, a, a couple of years, but um but it's it's an unbelievable story, and uh, we wanted to bring, you know, his his story to you guys. So, without further ado, uh, the interview uh, that Grace and I had the opportunity to do with uh, comedian, ultra runner, um, just all around good guy, Dan Lamort. Alrighty, guys. So joining us today on the Runner's High podcast is a close friend of the store, um, one of the funniest and most inspirational guys uh, to come through our doors, uh, Dan Lamore. So Dan, thank Woo! you for uh, taking the time today. Yeah, this way you buy enough pairs of shoes, you get on the podcast. Right, right. That's the deal. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's the prerequisite. You have to hit a certain yeah. certain quota. So. A you got to hit a certain amount of miles on the shoes and a certain amount of pairs, and then you get an appearance. Right. Well, with the, <laughs> amount, with the amount that you're running, uh, you might be a very frequent guest at this point. So I know. I got to come in soon. I got a, I got a Christmas gift certificate to use, but I live in Queens now, so it's not as easy to escape right. to the store. Hey, shameless plug. We, uh, we ship. We ship, you know. Oh, so, there you go. Although I do love the, the personal connection of you coming in. I like in the and, visit because then I always end up buying something else. You know, I right. get an extra pair of socks or a new uh, <laughs> something. And we didn't pay you to say that. 
you know. No, not at all. <laughs> not yet. So, right. <laughs> so, but Dan, thanks for joining us. Um, again, I'm meaning to have you on, you know, um, kind of ever since we, we struck up this relationship. So, uh, you know, you guys might have seen him, you know, on our social feeds. You know, Dan is, um, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you lead with? Do you lead with comedian or do you lead with ultra marathoner? I lead with comedian, but with the schedule of races I've put together for this year, I think I, I'm going to start going in the middle somewhere. I don't know. Right, right, right. <laughs> no. This is the first year I'm like, I don't For me, it's like if I do something, I try to like not have like imposter syndrome. I kind of actually be like, hey, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all in. So right. uh, yeah. part of me wants to say ultra runner. But then the part of me that makes money as a comedian is like, well, you don't make money running. So you're, right. you're a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it, it'll probably start to find that path depending upon like how you plan your schedule, right? You know, like if if it's like, hey, I'm prioritizing this race over a show, then I think you you got your answer to that question. Yeah, it's it's honestly, I think it's all about finding both, especially because in the city you can't really get the training for the trails in here. So it's just like I try to find at least like one day a week where I just force myself to get up early, drive out to like a trail in Jersey or something, and just get in at least one week of trail miles. Yeah, so I like. Yeah. So I don't completely uh, fall in every race. Right. <laughs> yeah. The unexpected of trails versus the concrete jungle of, of the city. I would imagine yeah. there's a little bit of a change. It's like you, you very rarely get a, a tree root or a stump here, but I have been stopped on my runs asked and asked for money. Like right. that's a new, like that's never happened on a trail. <laughs> <laughs> Getting sh shake down, you know, uh, it's just funny to, to ask like someone running past you. Hey, do you have any change? It's like, do you think I don't, I understand it's a tough time, but we don't carry loose change when we run. It's like the most <laughs> annoying thing to get in on a run. <laughs> just pockets full of coins as you're running. Yeah. Like, you could have heard me coming down the street. I didn't have any change in these tight uh, pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so so dad yeah, definitely want to um yeah have people kind of uh you know meet you in terms of you know how you got started and and a little bit of your history so um i mean you grew up a a, a local boy here at the jersey shore so you're a yeah. uh st john vianney graduate um yep manalapin uh resident, manalapin resident. Point. yep and then um, st john vianney and you had a, uh, growing up, you were a baseball player, right? Yes. So, um, I mean, let's talk a little bit about that and sport and then, you know, kind of how, you know, I mean, I know the story about how you, you kind of got out of the game. Um, but let's, uh, let's start there and then we'll kind of, you know, get into to your story and the running and, and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, what was your, what was your pitch? What was your, uh, I was the change-up pitcher. Change-up okay. was the big one. It was like the filthiest pitch I had. Like one, I remember one coach I had when I was like 14 or 15. Wasn't a good dude, pretty seedy, but he <laughs> taught me That's this not a good one. Way to describe <laughs> no, it's yeah. not a good way to describe it, but he taught me this one pitch, and it was just the change-up stuff for some reason. It, it was good because I never really threw hard until my freshman year of college. Okay. But like the change-up is definitely what got me like recruiting stuff. Like coming out of high school, I had like – by junior year, I had like – probably five or six scholarship offers. And then I ended up going to Felician, which is a division two school in New Jersey. It's very competitive. And uh, opening day of my freshman year, I blew out my arm. Like it's you crazy. couldn't write the script any differently. Like literally first inning threw a changeup in the dirt, elbow popped, heard the noise out loud. Uh. 
And then that was it. And oh then God. did you did you have Tommy John surgery? I did. I got Tommy John surgery by the Yankees doctor, Doctor Ahmad, like shortly after. Okay. Like he he really like you know hey, he 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 treats you. I don't I don't know how to say it. It'd be like a like a guy on a date with a girl. Like he takes off the Yankee World Series ring and he puts it on your finger and he's like you're in good hands and like right. clearly. <laughs> For one reason or another, his hands didn't do well by him. Like I just the surgery didn't take. I okay. I tried to come back. I, I uh ended up dropping out of Felician, went to like a local physical therapy place in uh, the Jersey Shore, then went okay. to Mercer County Community College to try to come back because they have a great baseball team. And mm. it just became pretty apparent, like when it got to the later stages of throwing, like when we got out of the rehab, that there was just nothing really left in mm. the arm. And at that point, when I was at Mercer, I'd already started doing stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. and was you know having some success at it so it was like the love for baseball kind of dwindled or at mm-hmm. least in my head at that point the love for it had dwindled but I, I think realizing now you know many years removed from that that the love for sport didn't actually go away mm-hmm. I think maybe just in the form of baseball it did at that point because comedy was providing a lot more at that time sure yeah yeah I mean I think that's one thing like especially with running you know that we find is you know even if um, the individual is a, a, a athlete in a different sport, you know, um, you know, say it was baseball or, you know, we get a lot of old soccer players in, like, it's like that competitiveness, like nature, you can translate that into running, be it competing against yourself or competing against others and things like that. So, yeah, um, what people might not know is like pitchers are required to run quite a bit. Mm, so like at, say at you a punishment to- or so for me, yes, because I was a, uh, you know, I was a, uh, a bit of an ass growing up. So I would, <laughs> I would find myself in trouble. So you'd have the punishment runs, right? But, like that's actually one of my earliest memories of running was in college. We threw like uh, Felician, You would have joint dorm rooms, so like four baseball players per two rooms. Okay. So we threw this massive party, like the biggest one the dorms had seen. Fifty people got written up. The cops came, and uh, so many of the baseball team was there. Even like the seniors who had their own houses came to the dorms for this party that we all got punished. And had to run hills. And I remember like not being fast in the beginning, but by the end, I was definitely leading with like the captains of the team at the front. Yeah. I don't know if it was because I felt like I deserved it or because I just enjoyed running, but that was definitely like one of my earliest memories of of enjoying running. And then also training wise, you would have to like for the lactic acid in the body, they would tell you to run. Mm -hmm. Like for the for some coaches thought running would be good after you pitched like move okay. everything around in the body and like fl- flush everything out and stuff afterwards. yeah i mean i was injured so many times who knows if there's any actual science behind that <laughs> these are the same coaches i would see we had a kid on the team who they would make do a plank because he was on the heavier side and then the mm. coach would put his legs underneath him while he was planking and eat a sandwich on his back <laughs> so these, oh. these weren't the most trustworthy people <laughs> oh man <laughs> Uh, I mean, you alluded to it a little bit there, um, you know, that you got started when you were at Mercer, like how, how did, how did you start to find comedy? I feel like it, um, you know, what, what was that like, man? I mean, I feel like it's gotta be a real, a real tough thing to kind of break into, you know? It was a gradual process to get there. I was definitely like in a time when a lot of athletes that I grew up with were listening to like pump up music before games. I was listening to comedy for some reason that put my brain in a very relaxed state to perform. So I always liked it. And uh, my dad had an employee at his deli when I was like 10 years old. I think his name was like Johnny Deluxe or something. It was like (laughs) struggling, like a a fledgling stand up. 
Is that his stage book. name or his birth I given name? His, yeah, I think that was his <laughs> stage name. It sounds like the type of, like, a, a burger special, you know, the Johnny right. Deluxe burger. <laughs> I don't know. if I don't think he does stand-up anymore, but he gave me this book, like, uh, and it was about stand-up. And so st- comedy was always in my life. Mm-hmm. And then I was on vacation with my parents after the surgery. So my arm was still in, like, a robotic, like, the robotic Tommy John thing they put you in that, like, seals it all up. Mm. I remember being on vacation. I bought my first notebook and started writing jokes down. Mm. And then when I got back, I kind of just, the way I've always been in my life is when I want to do something, I start telling the people around me, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. That's the only way it gets done. So I started Mm. telling my parents, Hey, I'm going to do comedy. I started telling, like I was working at my dad's deli. I tell customers, Hey, I'm going to do comedy. The doorman, Hey, I'm going to do comedy. Like I still, anytime I see him, he's still like, Actually, I, did, I remember doing like the show you guys were at in Jersey. Mm-hmm. One of my buddies came up to me from Mercer and he, he told me he, he remembered seeing me in like the baseball meeting with the coach. And I just had my notebook writing down jokes right. like while the coach <laughs> like so I was already tapped out at that. But it just so then one day I just told my dad, let's do it. I found a mic in New Jersey and uh, Kenilworth, New Jersey. And I went and I bombed for 10 minutes and got one laugh in the 10 minutes and that's a story that a lot of comedians have the same one you know it's just one laugh that's all it took yeah and yeah. you just chase that again yeah yeah i mean that definitely i mean we talk about obviously like an endorphin rush from like a running perspective but i would imagine like you know being up on stage you know i mean um and like working a crowd and and having that that feedback of positivity has got to be quite like the rush as well it is and you know even the pre like so i've only i've raced two ultras now last year and then this year i'm racing four Mm -hmm. and like the two that i've run so far the pre-race jitters like kind of get a little bit of the chills your body temperature fluctuates a little bit you kind of get those nerves in the clan like that is kind of what you still like even eight years of being a stand-up now seven years i still feel that before i go on stage Mm. And I think that's important because the second you stop feeling that, it's like, then what is this about? You, you still want to feel nervous because you are doing something unpredictable, like a trail run where you could fall at any moment. Mm-hmm. Any joke could fall flat on stage. Yeah. A joke that you've told for two years that's worked, you know, for thousands of people one night could just bomb and people could yell at you. It doesn't, <laughs> and there's no wrong reason. Right. How, how does that, I mean, how does that feel in terms of just like, like crickets? You know what I mean? It's a process. At this point, you know, eight, seven, eight years in, a lot of, you know, being on the road at a young age, I started touring when I was like 19, 20 years old. So, like, you build up an armor. It's like you do have to, like, callous those muscles. Like, they're in the beginning, it's hard because it is a, it's a rejection filled business Mm -hmm. where there is no finish line, which is why I liked running a lot. And in, in comedy, there, there's no rhyme or reason. You know, there's no, if you put in, x amount of work you're going to get to the finish line mm. or it's going to make sense when running the fastest person and the person who puts in the work gets to the whoever finishes you know this first second third mm-hmm. in comedy there isn't that right it's just like so, this like, perpetually just moving yeah yeah over time you get used to it and, and and you just reshape the way you think of it like if i do happen to be bombing i kind of just think well hey man a lot of the times you're up here and you're hearing laughter, you know, you, you, you're, you're half decent at this. You have a lot of, you know, I perform most nights in the city. Mm-hmm. Most nights it goes well. This is actually a very unique situation you have right now. <laughs> a whole room is coming together to not like you collectively. Sure. Right. And that's <laughs> as, as, as much as it sucks, it's still a very unique experience. Mm-hmm. So I just try to reshape it and be like, this is interesting. This isn't something I get to experience a lot. Yeah. Now with, uh, 
and I promise we'll get to the running. Uh, but I'm just so like intrigued by the comedy perspective of it because I'm like, it's so, it's such a, it to me and and to a lot of people, um, I assume it's such like an impressive thing to do because I feel like most people like like if if you ask them their number one fear, it would be public speaking, right? And this is like taking public speaking and like putting it in in overdrive because you're expecting a reaction it's not like you're just standing up there giving a speech and then that's it where to like execute on that to me is just like so 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 impressive um but what uh what is it so like when you when you get a heckler like what is it what does that feel like this that like they kind of jab back a little bit is there like a little it's bit the of like range of hecklers and like, yeah. you know, you'll have the violent ones, you'll have the <laughs> drunk ones, you'll have the ones you actually offended, you'll have the ones who just want attention. So like, it's such a wide spectrum. And then you kind of have to quickly gauge like, what is their actual intention? Is it mm -hmm. malicious or is it not? Because if it's a malicious heckler, and you feel that energy, there's a good chance the audience feels it too. But if it's mm -hmm. not a malicious heckler, then there's a good chance the audience doesn't understand what's happening and they don't realize that they shouldn't be doing that. So then mm -hmm. if you go at them too hard, like I've seen comedians go at a heckler way too aggressively that doesn't deserve the full aggression. And then you could lose the entire mm -hmm. crowd because the charm is half the battle. You have to be likable. Mm -hmm. So like that audience member really has to be hated. And there's right. ways to test. Like I remember mm -hmm. I had this drunk guy who was heckling a lot one time, wouldn't stop. He was with his young kid, uh, way too young to be at a comedy club. He was drunk, <laughs> was heckling. And it got to the point where I started to feel like the crowd was on my side the more jabs I threw at him. And I saw the waitress brought him another drink. So then I said to the crowd, I said, hey, he doesn't need that. Someone drink it for him. And <laughs> people in the crowd stood up and grabbed the drink out of his hands and drank it. And I was like, well, there's oh. my, they're on my side. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like you build up the resilience. Because you know? even like public speaking, I hate it. And yeah. I, I, I hated getting up in front of the classroom and having to present anything. I, I was definitely a class clown and acted out. But a lot of times that was outside of like a, a needing to stand up time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like the early stages of comedy, there was definitely like, it was a lot of just having to face the fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure much like anything, the more you do it, the, the more accustomed you get to it. Um, yeah. I always find it funny. Like, like, I don't know. I mean, like the, the idea of heckling to me, like, is like, I, I'm like, I don't, what, what is that person thinking? You know what I mean? Like, what, like, what are you doing? Like you, yeah. and, um, you know, there's been a couple of shows that I've gone to, and even most recently, um, like two weekends ago, we uh, we saw Wanda Sykes in in Red Bank, and it was it was like you know you you left and you're, I mean it's similar you know with you like you leave and your stomach's hurting you know because you're yeah. laughing. We had like a guy like two rows behind us. Granted, like we're nowhere near the stage, right? So no one's heckling, you know, no one, no one's heckling. But you can see like like you could hear like little comments like, oh, I, I didn't like that first part, or like, oh, I didn't, I didn't. And it was like, you know, a COVID or a political kind of joke. And like, dude, you're at a comedy show, man. Like, stop taking yourself so seriously. Like, mm -hmm. if you didn't laugh, you didn't laugh. But like it's another thing to be like, oh, I didn't agree with that, or I didn't like that, or like to get like 
butthurt about it. Like, dude, you're at a comedy show. Like, what do you Yeah, and most people don't even realize that comedians can hear that. Like, they're so in tune with their audiences that, like, most of the time, it's just a comedian choosing not to go at a heckler. Sure, right, right. like, you'll hear a comment, you'll just be like, it's not worth it. But, like, people think, I don't know if people think they're quiet. Then the worst is the helpful heckler. We'll be like, oh, that's a good one. And it's like, you don't need to yell out after a joke. You're kind of ruining the, they don't realize it's all like uh, an energy behind it. You need ebbs and it needs to ebb and flow in like one direction there. Yeah. It's like if the energy gets disturbed, like it, it can throw off an entire set. Yeah. Now, is it, is it, um, is it like blinding up there? Like, can you see a lot into the crowd? Like, I feel like, what is that like? Like, different club like to that, club. Yeah, yeah. Some clubs you leave the stage dripping in sweat because you it's just the brightest light, and then others, you know, are yeah. pretty dim. That it, it, it really the best case scenario is you could see some of the front rows, but none of the audience is lit. For some reason, mm. in the brightest lit rooms, people are more self-conscious of laughing out loud because they think other people could see them, and laughing is like more of an emotion than a reaction. It's like being emotional is really tough for people. So like they do that out loud and they're like, oh my God, everyone's judging my laugh. But when it's mm-hmm. dark, they're like, oh, no one could see me. It's like mm-hmm. there is genuinely <laughs> a difference in that psychology of audiences. Yeah, that's interesting. Because there's we- a few clubs in the city that are brightly lit and like multiple comedians will tell you the difference of like, even there's one club that has a downstairs room mm-hmm. that's dark, dungy, upstairs room, brightly lit, glass windows. And the difference of energy is night and day. Hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. I never, you never think of like from just like a spectator perspective or a you know observer perspective, like the environment surrounding it would affect. You know, I mean, I guess it makes sense totally. Yeah, it's like yeah. Hannibal Buress used yeah. to have the great joke where a woman told him at a bar, "Oh, you're a comedian. Tell me a joke." And he was like, "No." And she's like, "Why? It's your job." And he's like, "Do you see a microphone or a stage <laughs> or a stool or lights or an audience or even a setting for comedy?" Right. Well, that, that's like one thing that I had jotted down that I definitely wanted to touch upon. Uh, you know, it was like, do you, do you feel, do you feel pressure like to be funny, like in, in your non, in, in a non standup setting? Uh, in lot, I mean, sometimes, yeah. Like uh, I feel like if I, I, I have the ability to turn it on, but a lot of times I don't want to, and then you'll get self-conscious or someone will be like, Oh yeah, I thought you were a comedian. And it's like, yeah, when I'm at work, like I don't always want to be at work. (laughs) Right, right. But like in running, I found myself being very serious. And then the other day, I don't ever really run with headphones or a phone. And I took my phone out and just Mm -hmm. like every like few miles would do like a a little video and like a check-in and made some jokes here and there. And ended up having like seven minutes of footage and edited it down to like a minute and then put it on Instagram. And enough people liked it. And I also, I had so much fun doing it. It made the run more fun. I was thinking of like jokes along the way that I could that I could say when I pulled out my phone next, and like so like I I I, I want to find a way to combine the non funny because I feel like running isn't always the funniest thing. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so if I can I mean, make it funny, I'll find a way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, let let's like pivot a little bit and kind of talk about um, you know your you know, I don't want to say newfound because it's been a couple of years, but you know, your passion, your, your new passion for, for running relatively new passion for running. Um, but I, I think, you know, we, we can't really talk about that until we talk about, um, you know, 
how you got into it, but what was, what were the motivating factors, you know, in terms of, uh, getting into running. Um, I mean, I know all this about you, but if you want to explain it yourself, uh, you know, go go for it. (laughs) Uh, the motivating. So like my whole life, I struggled with my weight. Like Mm -hmm. I was definitely a heavy set kid. And even through the early years of baseball and then in the early, uh, recruiting days, the college coaches were pretty honest when I was like 14 and 15 years old when they could like start talking to you or they were like, Hey, you're a really good pitcher, but you're fat. Like they would just be very honest. Great years, great age for, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) self-esteem. Yeah, it definitely, it manifests. And like, there's actually, there was a recruiting agency called perfect game USA. And like, they're the big ones. They like put on these tournament showcases. Mm -hmm. You could go back and look at my reports that they put up at like these scouting events. And it'll be like, Lamorde is a 2013 graduate with a thick frame. And like these are people (laughs) writing this about kids, you know? Yeah. But uh, (laughs) once those coaches started saying stuff like that, but at the same time, it coincided my junior year, St. John Vianney built like a beautiful state of the art weight room. Mm. And I found out they opened it like early in the morning. So I would drive. I lived about like a half hour away from school, 20 minutes. I would get up at like four, four 30 in the morning and then just drive to SJV and lift for like an hour or two and then shower and go to class. So I lost a bunch of weight and just found like that dedication and then ended up getting in like the best shape I was in going into college, blew out the arm. And then those early years of stand up, it was just uh, a shit show of fast food. I mean, I, <laughs> I went from a hundred, by the time I started doing stand up, I had probably after Tommy John surgery went from like, I was playing at 190, mm-hmm. probably went up to like 200. And then like from, I started comedy at 19. By the time I was 23, I was like 350 plus pounds. Yeah. Oh, wow. So crazy. I gained quite a bit in a short amount of time. And then yeah. a doctor told me I had fatty liver disease. The day after Thanksgiving, I was in the hospital, but mm. I just ate too much. Mm. And he was like, you have fatty liver disease. And that was kind of one of the catalysts. But like, there's just, when I look back on like what started the weight loss, there's so many different things that need to happen like i don't think it's just really one rock bottom Mm -hmm. like uh like going to golden corral and eating alone like you look at that and you're like that's a sad one that's one of the things that (laughs) i remember sitting there looking around and there was like other people eating alone all of the plus size variety and i was like what are you doing man like not that there's anything wrong with that choice but it just wasn't what i came from i was an athlete yeah and And you were still uh, so close to like that part of your life too you know what i mean like it wasn't like this 20 year layoff or a 30 year layoff. Like I was even considering still young. weight loss surgery, but then a few people around me were like, you were an athlete four mm-hmm. years ago. You in high school, you were getting up at four in the morning to go to the gym. Kind of mm-hmm. maybe you have this in you. And then I went for a hike with my buddy out in LA when I was visiting. And there was something about the nature that really, I don't, it was really something I hadn't experienced. I'd never been on a trail before or anything. Mm-hmm. And then I came back. And I don't really like it. It's still a pretty blurry process for me. Like, cause I know a lot of the weight was lost with like lifting dumbbell stuff. I remember going for a few jogs and not liking it. And then just eventually it stuck. I remember like I was running maybe three times a week, two to three miles. Mm. And I was down at uh, spring Lake on the boardwalk and I dropped my water bottle and mm. it like rolled away and I couldn't find it. And I was like, oh, I guess I could just end the run now. And I never run more than four miles. So then I, instead I just ran like as far as I could down the boardwalk. And I looked at my phone and it was like eight miles in. So I ended up having to do like another eight miles back. And oh, it got geez. so bad when I got to the half marathon point, which I never run more than four miles. I asked a woman who was standing there because it was cold out. It was the winter. 
Mm-hmm. I asked a woman, I was like, hey, I've never run this far in my life. I see you getting in your car. Can you drive me to the end of the boardwalk where my car is? <laughs> and she very correctly said no, you know. Right. And I had to walk those last three miles down the boardwalk. But that was like, that to me was when running became something different that day. Yeah, yeah. Man, she wouldn't even, did she have like a station wagon? She wouldn't even put you in like the back or something? She had I understand a big the car with, it was like an SUV and she had a dog just get in there. So I, I she had her hands full and I guess I looked, you know, probably worse for wear. It was, I was probably bleeding from a few places at that point. It was <laughs> nipple blood is never, uh, you never want to let someone into your car who has bleeding nipples. No, no. I think that's the first thing people look for, actually. Yeah. If you guys see a hitchhiker on the side of the road and you're like, oh, is this nipple bleeding? Keep driving. <laughs> Could just be an ultra runner who got lost in the woods somewhere. Oh my gosh. But so, yeah. So running kind of became the way that I noticed. For me, I, I do understand everyone's different. For me, diet change, I gave up gluten, but running was what I saw the most change with the weight coming off. Like mm-hmm. when I plateaued from lifting and diet and I started running and then putting in more miles. Uh, and then obviously, like a lot of people, I found out about David Goggins. He, someone like showed me his mm-hmm. audio book. And uh, through that, I learned about Courtney DeWalter and ultra running. So then I became obsessed with Courtney and mm-hmm. ultra running. There was a bunch of documentaries on YouTube. And I would watch these documentaries and these people would hit the finish line of these ultra races. And they would be like, I, I, I feel like I could read people pretty well as a comic. And I, and I felt like the way they were crying and like a non sad way and the looks on their faces, like it felt like something that they went through that was really meaningful. Mm. And there was something about just seeing the way people finish ultras that kind of spoke to me. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And I read born to run and I became, uh, I'm a very obsessive person. So I was like, this is, this is badass. So I signed up for my first race and it ended up getting canceled. And I put on another event that I was going to run myself and ended up getting hurt. And then eventually I got to run like a 40 mile race as my first race mm. last year. And uh, which was a lot of fun. It's funny. Cause it's like, you know, most people when they're making such a large change like that, it's like, Oh, you go from zero to, you know, a 5k or, you know, but no, it's zero to, a 40 miler as your first race. Yeah. That's, that's always just all me, in though. That's always been that. like, I, pro- I recorded my first album as a comic when I was two years into comedy, I think. Cause I remember one day, one week telling my parents I wanted to record an album and get a record deal. Mm-hmm. And I think within like four days I had signed a, a contract to record my first album. Yeah. And like, what, was, it was just, what was the name of that, that one? I remember I could picture the not enough pieces, which was a very tongue in cheek way for me to name an album because I felt and I still felt like I did not have enough to release an album at that point. Mm. But I just wanted to document something for me to have to remember, like who I was at that age and the material Mm. I don't like. But it's funny, like comics who are younger comics now be like, hey, like I used to listen to your old stuff, that album. They're like, and I'll be like, what do you think? They're like that. The material, obviously, it's like a young comics material, but the set's killer. It's like one of the best sets I've had in my life. I'm so <laughs> happy it's on tape, but the material is, it's the mind of a 19 and a 20-year-old. Yeah. And yeah. like, I've never actually gone back and listened to it in full, mm. but I know one day I'll appreciate having it down there. But yeah. not enough pieces was me acknowledging like, hey guys, I know I'm not ready for this. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I like to jump all in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, speaking about jumping all in, so you you did what at the end of the end of the year this past year, you did what it was a fifty or fifty five. What was that trail race that um, 
Yeah, so done most earlier recently. in the year, I got the 40-mile Batona Trail. Uh, the, I'm sorry. First race I did was the 40-mile Naked Bavarian, which was in Pennsylvania. Mm. Then I dealt with a few injuries after that and ended up, uh, I guess it was November of this past year, I ran the Batona Trail Race, which is a 55-mile race of the entire uh, Batona Trail in New Jersey. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a 53-and-a-half-mile trail, and then you get two miles out on like a, a trail that cuts off of it. Like it, that was uh, the second race I ever did. And that one, there was enough of like, I really put in solid training for that. The first one was a lot of mental grit and just trying to plow through. This one was a more like sensible training plan, building up mileage, peaking, uh, mm-hmm. tapering down, like put more research in. And there was noticeable difference. Like I came in 28th out of 80th. I think mm. uh, my goal time was 11 hours. I finished in 11 hours and nine minutes. Like yeah. after the, and I, once we hit 25 miles, I wasn't passed by anyone, which I was really happy with. Because in the first race, I got passed a lot at the end. In mm. this race, I only picked people off from halfway on. Mm. So, like, there was enough improvement that I saw with the proper amount of training what I could do. So, going into 2022, I kind of just amped up the schedule to see what <laughs> I could do this year. As the when the mm. ball hit midnight on uh, – January 1st, I went to uh, Rim to River, which is a beautiful 100-mile race in West Virginia. And mm. Registration was filling up quickly at midnight when they opened it up, so I signed up for my first 100 and got in, and kind of that was the start for the plan of this year. Yeah, That's, what did, what do the next 12 months kind of look like for you on the on the trails? Uh, so March 26th, I have a race called the Mount Tammany 10, which is mm. in New Jersey. On We have a mountain in New Jersey called Mount Tammany. <laughs> which a lot of runners don't know it's super technical mm. uh so there's a sect of ultra running called sky running i don't know if the mount tammany 10 fully constitutes that but it's pretty close so it's 40 miles and you get about 12 to thirteen thousand feet of climbing mm. so Jeez. it's a three three to four mile loop you have to do that loop 10 times and i believe 10 to 11 hours and you get about 1500 feet of vert on each loop so you ended up getting a lot of elevation gain there That'll mm. be March. That one is uh, that one. That's probably going to be outside of the 100, the toughest race mm-hmm. on the year, just because of the elevation gain. Then in uh, June, I have the Cayuga Trails uh, 50 miler, which is in Ithaca. Okay. That's like a, uh, I learned about that one recently. That's like a pretty popular one, beautiful trail, a lot of elevation, stairs, waterfalls, stuff like that. That's uh, June. And then in September, 10th i'm gonna run the boulder field 50k as like hmm. the last long run so that'll be a few weeks because the ultra will be november 5th so like okay. a month and a half out i'll get in like a 32 mile run at uh pretty tough terrain so it'll be three races leading up to the 100 mile november 5th okay jeez man you're gonna put some yeah, mileage was- on those legs it was like it was a thought of mine definitely to sign up for the first 100 this year and then i saw this documentary that these people made about the Rimped River and it was like, mm-hmm. it was about their first year. It was this guy, uh, he's got this outdoor adventure company. He really wanted to start a race in West Virginia, planned it out for a while, made it happen. And like the way the town came out and the volunteers, the way the runners loved it, like it just, and the scenery is insane. It's in New River Gorge National Park. It's literally, you know, one of the most recent national parks and mm-hmm. something about the documentary just, I was like, I really appreciate that. And I had signed up for it and then my dad had the idea where like he wants 
him and my mom are training. They want to mm-hmm. pace part of the race. Oh, wow. My dad wants to take the first eight mile from 50 to 58. You're allowed a pacer for eight miles. Okay. Then there's a 21 mile chunk through the night. You could have a pacer, mm-hmm. uh, then a 13 and a half mile chunk, and then a seven and a half mile chunk to close, which my mom is going to train to take. Neither nice. of them are trail runners. Neither nice. of them have ever ran past the 5k, but they want wow. the challenge. Yeah. Well, your dad is also a, uh, a Guinness world record holder or unofficial because they didn't accept or unofficial? it. Okay. All they right. didn't accept it because my mother was the counter, even though we had he did the most <laughs> for the so listeners. What, what, what was, was the, tra- what was it? It was for like the pushups in 24 hours. It was, was it most pushups in an hour in an hour. Okay. Yeah. My dad was training for that and he did 3,055 pushups in an hour. It's on Jesus. video. That is the record, but Guinness Book of World Records didn't count it because in the video, my mother was the one counting. Who, so the who, count- who did they need to have count? An official? They basically, Guinness? it seems like they want you to pay someone to come out. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. they count. Or yeah. Like, so it's really confusing stuff. Uh, they just kind of want to make money on it. And he's sure. yeah, the yeah. amount of training it took for him to get there, like what his body was going through, he's done. I mean, it was literally <laughs> like watching someone give themselves an infection over the course of an hour. Right. Jesus. Just you go to a box of tissues just sneezing it's not coming all up like hyperventilating it was and his chest was getting too big i mean he was starting to concave forward right. his the biggest pecs but yeah it was it was definitely inspiring stuff and then he ran a spartan race last year oh which he didn't realize was in mount vernon new jersey i mean mm. this race must have had this guy's never run on a trail in his life this race must have had like three thousand feet of gain like what it did to him like right. in ultra they obviously have the, pain, the pain cave you know and what what he did in a 5k on those trails he was deep in the pain cave oh my gosh yeah well it seems like it's now a family affair absolutely it's definitely that type of family you know my uncle frank was a marathon runner my, okay. my cousin nick and chris were also baseball players around the same age it's always been a very competitive uh family and like definitely push each other and i, I like the idea of like when i put this race on the calendar for the end of the year it it not only keeps me like I have to be now, this is like, this is an entire year of training now, mm-hmm. whether I like it or not, November 5th, I'm running a hundred miles through like a steep national park mm-hmm. and I have to train the entire year. And it also gives like my family now a reason to train. And I think, uh, so like the first ultra marathon I did this crew from LA wanted to make a documentary about mm-hmm. it. Yep. And they're in the process of releasing it this year. It's going to be like a short documentary, but it seems like there's some interest in making this whole family running together thing, like a, a feature length thing. Cool. So like that might happen as well. Cause the guy who actually filmed the documentary is coming out to pace the 13 and a half mile chunk. Cause oh, me nice. and him got along pretty well. And I, I enjoyed time with him and he, he's running 33 miles this month. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think, um, um, cause we had, you know, they had come out to the shop and, uh, yeah, yeah, done a Matt, little interview. Matt. I think he he ran in high school. I think, if I'm not mistaken, like he I, I think he has so, a little bit of running like, history. Yeah, he has a little bit of a running history, and like uh, definitely, uh, and then got into it uh, after Kobe Bryant passed away. He just he felt like he mm-hmm. wanted an outlet, and mm-hmm. he started running, and then he just kept it up. Yeah, oh, no, it's a that, lot of people. You know, everyone's got yeah. their own path to running, but then it seems that people get pretty addicted. Right. Right. No, it's a very. Uh, help- healthy addiction to some extent qualify healthy you know you can obviously get injured and things like that but oh yeah than i mean addictions you know so we but we all know that you know we all sit here as people who probably have plenty of injuries i know craig you know most yeah. recent probably 
right oh yeah 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 although now now it's like because it, it was on a bike so now i got this like not super cool story to tell for the rest of my life i need something i need a, a better story i need something i need to embellish it a little bit yeah mm-hmm. i guess but yeah. you're i don't know i don't know i thought you were going to come back taking it slow and then i see on strava you're doing seven minute miles and i'm like this, I, I already see the screws <laughs> flying out of your hips <laughs> just coming it apart. slow is that yeah just coming apart like in that scene in forest gump when his uh just That's like picture, just yeah. Bracing, <laughs> falling apart on his legs yeah yeah oh my god yeah. injury is definitely not something that i've been able to escape i've actually i had back probably three 40 mile weeks in a row and just i'm on now two days off which is very rare for me but my achilles i had a I ran last week in the snow and mm. my Achilles didn't like it. And I just kept running on it because it definitely felt like just tendonitis. But then mm. I got to the point where I was just waking up with it swollen. But I'm a, uh, yeah. I, I think you run enough, you spend enough miles on your feet, you get pretty in tune with your body with what it needs and whatnot. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, as the more you do it, the better in tune you become. And you can figure out if it's soreness and something not to worry about or if it's like something, you know, something serious, right? So. Yeah, and that's kind of what like the ultra running is because so much goes wrong over the length of such a long race that you just have sure. to think like, is this actually a real problem or is this just pain that's to be expected? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely, definitely. So, um, awesome, man. Well, I think we want to do, and this is again not to go back to my one of my questions from earlier, not to put you on the spot and to to feel pressure to be funny, but. <laughs> Uh, one thing that we do like to do when we do have guests on is a little bit of a lightning round. Yeah. Uh, I know Grace gets pretty jacked up about it. Um, this is Grace's birthday present. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, most of these have nothing to do with running. Um, yeah. There is a little bit there with running, but uh, so you don't have to feel the pressure to, to speed answer. You can definitely sit and think for a little bit, but um but yeah, I'm super pumped to get some of your, your answers and questions here. Uh, Grace and I will kind of go back and forth. Uh, so we'll alternate questions. There's a list of maybe 10 or 12. Ah, aha. Got, Got it? it. Mm. All right. So, <laughs> it's like a so sinister laugh. <laughs> so whenever you want to start, Grace, let it, let it rip. I'll start? Okay. All right, you ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the last song you listened to. The last song I listened to. Uh, same team by Labyrinth, because that's a song that my girlfriend loves about like us as a couple, and we just showered together before this podcast, so she was playing it in the shower. <laughs> Not even like in a sexual way. Sometimes as a couple, you just get to a point where like to make your schedules go by quicker, you're like, let's just hop in the shower together, get this out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> more, yeah. util- so was- more utility than anything else. More, yeah, more <laughs> just getting getting our schedules out of the way quicker because she had to be out at the same time that i had to record this so I, was, I wanted to be showered she wanted to be showered nice nice yeah all right so it's called same team by labyrinth <laughs> so <laughs> if you uh fill in the blank um so taylor swift is blank taylor swift is secretly very catchy all right yeah. You know, there's, there's some of her songs that, you know they're just she's got that one song where she just sings about tim mcgraw and i'm like how is this catchy you're just singing about another country singer but it works right. <laughs> uh next one is uh who is your first celebrity crush first celebrity crush oh man 
mind i'm 27 i don't look for the listener i don't i, I look very old so this isn't correct there was like when i was growing up missy elliott used to have this girl in her background like one of the background dancers allison stoner yeah that was like my first celebrity <laughs> crush allison stoner yeah, that, that was funny. like a, the girl from, the, and she was also like in other things I'd see around, but that was definitely like one of my earliest yeah. celebrity crushes. Oh my god! Yeah. All right. <laughs> I love that you knew her name. That was great. Right. Oh yeah, I I used to pretend to be her. She knew how to dance. Yeah. All right. So what um right, what was your last Halloween costume? I don't know when the last oh, time you celebrated was, given the current this deal. year. I. Uh, I didn't have the time to like put together a costume. So I just went, uh, one of the comedy clubs I worked, the stand was throwing a Halloween party. So I just went home and grabbed my favorite outfit that I had when I was 350 pounds, like the Shaquille O'Neal big and tall line, like cheetah print shirt. And I just, I stuffed like three pillows down me. I put on my old size 48 jeans. And I just went as fat me. <laughs> Which was like it was like secretly very humbling because like within like a few minutes like everyone was like oh you're fat you and then like this one friend of mine like not even doing a bit she was like wow how'd you make your face look chubby again <laughs> I didn't do anything to my face <laughs> oh gosh um, all right on a scale of one to ten how good are you at keeping secrets eight. Not I bad. feel like okay. very good, but if the right person asks, I'll crumble. <laughs> There's not many good people I'll tell a good secret to, but someone, if it's close to me, like, you know, it's hard not to share. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if there was a hair in your soup at a restaurant, would you send it back? Uh, I don't know. I'm really bad at being assertive. So it's tough, but like, and also I have so much hair on me, mm. like, and the top of my head is more brown. My beard is fully red, so like, I have a wide range in color. So right. it could be my fault. Could have been your own, right? Yeah. Ultimately, <laughs> I don't know. I, I wouldn't eat the soup. I know that, right. but I don't know if I'd send it back. True. I'd hope the waiter would come over and say, "Well, was there something wrong with the soup?" And then I'd be like, "Well, actually, now that you brought it up, right. there is a hair." <laughs> I would probably like I've been watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time and like mm. the more I see Larry David act the way he does in that show I'm like I wish I could just be that assertive and oh. just say what I need to say no no governor no nothing no just, nothing yeah, yeah. Yep. oh my gosh <laughs> Grace um, what do you got uh, what was your favorite childhood TV show Shockingly, as a comedian, I grew up my I don't I always remembered I don't like earliest TV memories to me were reruns of sitcoms on TBS. So like Seinfeld, King of Queens, Everybody Loves mm. Raymond. As a kid, I really liked the sweet life of Zach and Cody. But then I met one of them like growing up and he was very rude to me. <laughs> rude. But that was a, I liked the sweet life of Zach and Cody. And then like I guess Sponge Scooby Doo, SpongeBob, all that stuff. Nice. I don't know. Right. Nothing stands out as like I, I was never a guy who would like get all these toys of like one thing. I really mm. I don't remember. That was that was I was a teenage mutant ninja, ninja turtles kid. I'm building. Oh, they had good I'm toys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. huge toys. toys. <laughs> I'm a wild thornberries fan. Oh yeah, that was going wild thornberries. The I like the dad with the red beard. No, and I stuff. 
<laughs> Nigel, yeah. Nigel Thornberry. The Thornberry, yeah. All right, so have you ever worn socks with sandals? Oh, yeah. Like, not toe sandals, like, where there's the... But, like, slide sandals, like, on the way to baseball games and stuff, but you didn't want to wear your metal spikes. Okay. And also, right. outside in public, I'll do it. Like, if it's the winter in mm. the city, and I don't feel like putting my shoes on, but I just want to run, like, across the street to drop my laundry off, yeah, I'll put on, like, socks and sandals and walk across the street. <laughs> I'm intrigued uh, on this next, next one. one. Okay. <laughs> oh, if, uh, if Tupac appeared before you right now, what's the first thing you would ask him? Oh. What would I ask Tupac? This one, I mean where you been because then clearly he is alive <laughs> you know if he appeared before me I'd be like oh they didn't lie Are you, who else is still alive Where, what island do they have you on and then he would tell me who else is alive maybe Elvis <laughs> <laughs> I wonder uh, yeah maybe I'd be like did you and Biggie make up in the afterlife right we need that completion right yeah I, I don't know yeah or maybe I'd ask him to go for a run right because <laughs> then we could talk even longer right so, I'm sure you've been asked this before, but if you had to pick one comedian to have dinner with, alive or not alive? I grew up, like, my favorite comedian growing up was Greg Giraldo, mm. who passed, he's dead. He was just, like, this very smart New York comic who was, like, a Harvard and Columbia-educated lawyer who yeah. became a stand-up and just was, like... Most people didn't realize how brilliant of a comic he was because he was so smart that he was able to like dumb down socio political material into like everyday terms. Mm. So like most people just laughed at him because he, he made a very layman's term. So he was genuinely a genius. Most people knew him for like the roast. He was probably one of the most famous roasters. Mm. But he was also like one of the best stand-ups. It would be fun to pick his brain because he mm. seemed like a, a very I like people who are very specific with their words, like word economy. And I love playing around with words on stage. So like he would be a fun guy or Mitch Hedberg, mm. but Hedberg did a lot of heroin. So I don't know what type of guest he'd be at dinner. He might be falling on. He might have a whole face in his soup. Right. Just be sleeping in it. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was his hair. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was entire out of there. So. All right, Grace, what do you got? All this right, is going to be, this is going to be a hard one. This is the fuck, marry, kill game. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. Weed, comedy, or running? Oh, I would... Fuck one, marry one, kill one. Well, you kill weed because you could do without it. I've, I've done it before. It'd be tough. It'd be a hard process. I'd, I'd weep over killing it. You know, there'd be remorse for sure. It wouldn't be a cold blood killing. Right. It would be one of those ones where, you know, like, I love you, Fredo. But uh, it's only for business. <laughs> uh, then I would probably... What I, I don't know what even terms of fuck comedy means. Is it like I stop doing it or do I keep doing it? In <laughs> it can go either way. <laughs> I would say marry running because it's healthier fuck comedy because hang out with ultra runners and hang out with comedians it's a very different energy right. both yeah. are very unique sometimes I need one or the other but sometimes comedians can be very doom and gloom so I'm like I need to go talk to some of my ultra running buddies right. to kind of balance it <laughs> yeah I think an, an ultra runner is just a, a person with problems who chose something outside of comedy Right. <laughs> Every comedian was just an athletic ability away from being an ultra runner. They just chose to channel it on stage. Different way. 
All right. So we got one last one for you. This is one that we had asked uh, across all of our guests that we have had on the past. Um, so you can give it some thought. Um, but if you had the opportunity to name a running shoe after yourself, what would it be and why? Wow. Name a running shoe after myself. Hmm. It's deep. That is deep, you know, because you <laughs> want it to be something catchy. I'm trying to think of all the names, you know, speed goats. Uh, <laughs> so I'm trying to think, what would I be? I'm not a speed goat. I know that. <laughs> Maybe like the happy trotter. The happy trotter. <laughs> That sounds like a good trail shoe, the happy trotter. Yeah, trail I mean, shoe. It, it has, it, you know, I mean, knowing you, it's got to be like trail oriented for starters. Yes, it has I to like be a that. trail shoe. I think I it's very fitting. It has to be, you know, pretty protective because I fall and get hurt a lot. Right. <laughs> uh, I think we just yeah. got a, a a name for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and it would have to be funky colors. I love funky colors. Right. Like I like I really have this dream how Gooder has those glasses. Mm -hmm. I've always had the dream to start to start like the funky run short company. That's the name. And we just make funky running shorts and like you sell it in like it's like that same packaging that you did and just have funky running shorts on the trails. Anytime I wear fun pink running shorts, people always comment. Not There's always positively. Right. I've gotten called, especially in New Jersey, there have been some pretty mean yeah. comments, but uh, on the Henry Hudson Trail specifically, oh, people, geez, uh -oh. I've gotten yelled at a few times on that trail for having pink shorts. Oh my so, gosh. I had one guy just say, what is your problem? He pointed out the shorts and said, what's your problem? I said, nothing, man. They're, they were giving me for free. Right. No problems here. I'm quite happy. That's funny. The happy trotter. The happy trotter. I think that's very fitting. I think it's very fitting. So... All right, Dan. Well, thanks so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate your time. Thank um, you for having me. Lightning round was great. I see why Grace got so excited. Right. Before, uh, before we let you go, um, remind people of, uh, you know, where they can follow along um, socially for you. And then also if you have any um, upcoming shows, you know, coming down, down the, uh, down the pike there. Yeah, danlamort.com. That is all the uh, shows and whatnot. Uh, L-A-M-O-R-T-E or Instagram, Twitter, you know, all those things. TikTok for the kids. I don't really like TikTok. For the kids? Uh-oh. TikTok for the... Oh, yeah, that sounded wrong. You know, for the young people. <laughs> no, no. No, I didn't mean it like that either. I just meant it's a, it's a platform that I just... I don't... I, it's not my... I don't understand. It's like the stock market. I put up a video and leave it there. Maybe it gets bigger or doesn't. Right. right. <laughs> it's a good way to approach it. But yeah, uh, social media, that's it. Uh, awesome, Dan. Well, thanks again, man. We really appreciate it. Good luck with the uh, the upcoming year of racing. And uh, I'm sure we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. Yep. I'm going to get you to pace the 21 and a half miles. Don't worry. I know. Just stay on me. Stay on me, brother. <laughs> Alrighty guys, so we want to thank Dan again for his time. Um, we know he's a super busy guy between um, you know his stand-up career and his um, blossoming ultra career. Um, so it was great to have him on the show. I hope you guys uh, got to enjoy that interview with him. So, Grace, what do you got? Oh, the pressure. Okay. It's real. It's real. All right. 
Thanks for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. You can find us on iTunes using the Apple Podcast app, SoundCloud, or Spotify, or watch the podcast in video form. Yeah, and guys, you can follow along with the show or with uh, the store using the handle at RunnersHighNJ on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So, Grace, we out? We out! All right. All righty, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we will speak with you all soon.